I think it was last week, Chris, we started our podcast by saying, you know, we should be back into the regular season of the Ontario Hockey League. You remember that February the 4th date? Yes. And as we get things going this week, word in the ether is a 24-game schedule beginning sometime in April, four hub cities, two of which might be Niagara and Kingston. There would have to be one up north say the Sioux. So where would the fourth one go? Who knows? These are all just the rumors, but this is where we're at as you and I continue sharing these stories. Yeah. We don't normally go too in depth with rumors. You and I, we kind of wait till we know all the facts, but right now there are no facts and there is no season. So why not talk about the rumors? Um, It, I I wouldn't be surprised if it is that type of schedule, like we talked about in the past uh, that the WHL is doing. Um, I like the idea of four hub cities. I still think there is some question marks of whether you can tell 16 to 20 year olds, Hey, you're in another city. Don't go out to a restaurant. You know, are they going to be able to, are they just going to lock them in a hotel room? Are you going to have four teams in a hotel? altogether there's a lot of things logistically that need to be figured out i think that's probably just one plan of maybe three or four that the ohl has presented to the provincial government and we haven't even talked about whether there will be hitting because lord knows our minister of sport came out previously and said that there won't be body contact if the ohl gets going so who really knows no one at this point i hope they just get something figured out so we can get back to watch hockey but even obviously on a more personal level, you and I, what does that mean for broadcasters? Are you going to have visiting broadcasters going into that rink every day? Probably not. Are you going to have that home radio station just broadcasting all the games? Is it going to be no audio and just streamed on the internet? Who knows? And one of the other things that comes into play that you haven't mentioned yet is fans of which Mm -hmm. I don't think there would be any. We're certainly not at a place here in Ontario where we have even capacity limits based on percentage of capacity and without fans you you talked about the the minister of sport and and body contact but what about uh probably the treasury board or the ministry of finance uh, somewhere in the provincial government to say how about some financial support to make the league viable even at a reduced a drastically reduced 24 game schedule look the easy thing to say the easy thing to say for a couple of guys who yeah misbroadcasting the games sure is it keeping mm-hmm. a little jeans out of our uh, cash out of our pockets absolutely but the easiest thing to say is you know what september that's when we're still all told here in canada that those of us who want to have the vaccines will have had them will be in a much better place one would assume once the high percentage of the population has been vaccinated that's when the ohl season usually gets started so let's just close the books completely on 2020 2021 and start fresh in September, 68-game schedule, vaccinated fans in the buildings, and so on and so forth. But that overlooks the importance of this season and any kind of a season to Barzi, the players I themselves. I can't uh, hear you or see you. I'm having some technical difficulties over here. There we go. Oh, We're back working. Go. Okay, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. This That's is okay. uh, This is Zoom life, working from home. <laughs> That's um, right. I get, I just, the, yeah. I, I get yeah. the financial thing for sure, right? And you have to – that needs to be – figured out and that's the bigger picture i don't think 
like I can't envision a world where there's any fans, especially with the provincial government coming out and even saying like when it comes to restaurants with their new color coded system now after the second lockdown, that even if you go into green, a max at a restaurant is 50 people. It used to be, you know, like 50% or 70% of your capacity. Now it's right across the line. It's 50 people in a restaurant. So I can't imagine that they'd make an exception to stick everyone in a hockey arena. I just don't know what it means to the players if the even the shortened season gets scrapped in all of this, right? Like I, I just I feel I feel for these 16, 17, 18 year old kids whose next step in hockey is is dependent on this step. And I mean, I could I should have looked this up, but what does it mean to those players? Like for instance, like a Francesco Pinelli who went overseas to play, does he come back for that twenty five game? Like is technically under contract with the Rangers and they lent him to that team. I don't know how that would work, but definitely yeah. that's, that's much in the future. They got to figure out if, how they're going to have a season even to begin with. I, you started off this podcast. I was going to ask you, you've seen the breakfast club, right? Of course. Did you see it in theaters? <laughs> uh, it was actually, out 36, no. 36 years ago today. That's why I, I brought it up. I was just going to make fun of you that you're old. <laughs> I am, but I actually did not. That would have been if it was 36 years ago today. That makes me just under the limit at the time it would have been a double A adult accompaniment movie. So you had to be 14 or older to go see that without adult accompaniment. And I I do not recall my parents or my friend's parents taking me to see The Breakfast Club. I saw it on the old VHS, Popper. Nice. I was about three months away from being made. Born yep. in January of 86. So, But does Barry Manilow know you raided his wardrobe? You like it? No, it's just one of the lines, oh. one of the best lines from the movie as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I think I saw it. It was probably like 10 years ago. My parents, well, maybe more than that, probably about 20 years ago, my parents had a VHS. So I probably watched it on some Sunday afternoon. It's great Amelio, soundtrack. Emilio, right? Emilio, um, Judd Nelson, yeah. Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, and Ali Sheedy. When we were uh, talking about things to talk about during this preamble to our guest this week, there wasn't really a lot going on in the league, and we tend to uh, find some things to bring up. But I did want to bring up the Rangers announced today that on March 8th, they're having that Women in Hockey Conference. If you're um, a woman who listens to this podcast, join it. You can find a link on their website. They have, uh, I think, about 13 guests signed up, women that are in hockey at all various different levels um it looks like it could be something really special i wanted to join it but i thought i'd wait a little while because i don't know if it like, is it wrong but i, do, I don't want to take a spot of an aspiring woman who wants to get in the game because there's only a limited amount of spots available and i didn't want to take someone's spot but i'm very interested in seeing it i hope they post uh like a youtube link afterwards for this conference so we can go back and watch leave it to the kitchener rangers to mow our grass and leave it to me to never pass up an opportunity for a shameless plug. You and I have already discussed at a future podcast, we are going to be bringing in some of the women in the game today that would have been part of a Rogers event back when we were playing hockey. Uh, There are many talented women working in the Ontario Hockey League today. We see them when we go from city to city and rink to rink, and we want to get a panel of them onto this podcast. We also want to talk about one of the originals in Sanaya Supergi, who was a writer that I was following incredibly closely in my earliest days in the league, just for information, because she was so well connected and she blazed a trail for sure. Same. I used to love Sanaya on Yeah, What was their Yahoo blog? Do you remember the junior one? What was it called? Uh, there At was the crease or 
Ooh, yeah, something crease. And then she and Terry Doyle were behind the Loose Pucks blog for a long right. time, too. Yeah, and they yeah. were all over stuff. Yeah. Like trade wins before there were any trade talks on Twitter. They knew everything before it happened. They were fantastic. I remember reading that blog frequently. We have uh, a couple of great guests to get to today, and I know th- there will be laughs. There might even be tears from all of the laughing coming up, but just one more on the shameless plug point. Uh, we now have an Instagram page. So if you're already following on Facebook, awesome. OHL Stories podcast with Farwell and Pope. Uh, you know Chris on Twitter, at underscore Chris Pope, or me, at Farwell underscore OHL. Our email address, Pope at gmail.com. And now, bang, it's like it's 2021 or something. OHL Stories on Instagram as well. Trying to keep you up to date in all of the various uh, channels. Absolutely. And depending on how you take in your podcast, it's on Spotify, Apple iTunes. And if you don't have um, a smartphone or you just don't like listening to our voices and you want to see our faces. We're also on YouTube, OHL stories on there. You can find it on all of our socials and stuff and uh, let us know what you think one way or another um, enough from us. Let's get to some OHL stories from a pair of brothers hailing from Elmira. Um, I know way too much about both of them to do a long <laughs> intro because they're both my uncles. Um, Steve Parson, once held the record for most games played in the Ontario Hockey League. We always joke that that's the record you don't want, um, but was close to signing with the Ottawa Senators. Um, and then the lockout happened right then. His brother, Mike, played for the Guelph Platers and Owen Sound Platers before being drafted in the second round to the Boston Bruins. I didn't bring it up in the podcast, but he was taken ahead of a couple guys, Vladimir Konstantinov, Pavel Bure, and Sergei Fedorov. They went on to do a little bit more than Mike did, but he still won two uh, Calder Cups, uh, one with Portland uh, and one with Maine, I believe. Steve won a couple championships, South Carolina Stingrays and Thunder Bay Senators, but this is uh, full of a barrel of laughs from a couple storytellers, Mike and Steve Parson. You know, as Don Cameron liked to say, there are no ties anymore in hockey. They got rid of the ties, but on this episode of OHL Stories, there are some family ties. Arzi, I often sometimes think that we should record the preamble to a podcast because we get some good stuff while we're trying to connect. We got two brothers here from Elmira finally connected. Mike and Steve Parson, thanks a lot for doing this, guys. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. My pleasure as well, Christopher and Mike. I really... Are you going to tell the story of how you know us? Yeah, I was going to say, I really had to to go deep into the Rolodex on this one. Um, at one point, both these individuals saw me naked. Uh, <laughs> in fact, they helped wipe my butt. Um, these two individuals, both my uncles, my uh, mother is their sister. I'm sure she will like how I worded that, given her childhood growing in, up in Elmira with these two playing hockey all the way up. They, she was always their sister, so I'm sure she likes that. Um, growing up in Elmira, both you guys got to play for the Sugar Kings. What was that like? Go ahead, Mike. You're first. Um, well, uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, I had the best set of guys on the team ever. Um, uh, a guy named Randy Pierce and I were the only 16-year-olds that made that team. And we um, we had a great group of guys. There were so many of them. My goalie partner, Mike, uh, Michael Cavillman, and, I mean, Dave Smith, Bill Lang, Dean Turgeon. Just a great group of guys. But I have to talk mostly about the coach, Jerry Foyler, because um, 
I've never been so scared of a man in my life. Um, my when I first uh, tried out there and played there, but now we've ended up being best friends, um, and uh, we talk old stories and, and and stuff like that. So it's it's great to um, talk to him. But I I had the most amazing time of my life uh, that year. Steve, you were just fifteen, weren't you? Yes, I remember going to training camp in uh, a friend of mine's Chevette. It was a John Kreitzer. It was him and I and Chad Bish. We basically said, let's go play some pond hockey. And we show up and uh, we roll out of this Chevette with three bags of hockey equipment. John was a goaltender. And we had no idea what we were getting into. We just basically were bored and we want to go play hockey. <laughs> so we show up and uh, I remember uh, Gary Schaefer, a good friend of my dad's, he worked for them at Unirealm and he grabbed my nose and he said, you're not coming in to play for us. Are you? And I said, I'm going to give it a shot, Gary. He says, well, you better be able to drop your gloves. And I went, damn. <laughs> so I looked across the dressing room and I saw a guy by the name of Craig Majuri and Dean Derrigan. They were both 19, 20 year olds and I'm 15 and they got hair all over their body. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in the wrong business right now. Like I don't have any hair in my body at all. Anyway, we get on the ice, and I think I got clocked in the warm-up by my own teammate because everything was happening so fast. But by, by the end of the first scrimmage, I think I got into a scrap, and I did okay. I, it was, uh, I didn't do that well, but I, I, I survived. And Ray Koontz, the coach, came up to me and says, can you do that all season long? I said, I don't know. And, and my dad was standing in the corner, and he was giving me the thumbs up, and I said, well... If it makes him happy, I think possible. So that's how it all started in Elmira with the Sugar Kings. <laughs> you know, Mike, it's funny you talk about the relationship that you form later in life with Jerry. We had Joe McDonnell on a recent podcast talking about his relationship as a player under Orville Tessier. Oh, and yeah. then when they would drive to scouting assignments together years later, and Joe would be like, you know, when I played for you, I hated your guts. But they became good friends later on. Well, I, I definitely didn't hate Jerry at all I was just so scared of him I mean um, um, I was like he was so stern and strict and I and, you know minor hockey isn't like that like we had I had Herb Townsend Bob Waters Brad Rao you know I can go on Dale Martin Miller Hicks uh, and uh, they were always so nice and you know no matter how poorly you might have played or no matter what the con the, the results were they always high fives and um, not Jerry like I mean <laughs> gave you a look but it actually made you realize that you're no longer just playing the game for fun you still are but it, you know to play at that level you must have to take a lot more serious and I remember uh, Kevin Block was a defenseman um, on my team who I'm good friends with now too same with like Dave Smith those are the two guys that mostly took me under my under their wing but um, so Dave is, you know, coaching division one hockey over there in Albany, New York, and, and Kevin's still with the Sugar Kings. But I remember um, Kevin, uh, a few of the times I'd get hit with a puck and I was like, damn, that shot hurt because <laughs> he had the worst equipment. And the next thing you know is Kevin was freaking doing everything possible to block every shot. I didn't even need to wear equipment. Like he was just, he was flopping all over the place. And it was, it, it's neat. We talk about that now. So you guys make it to the OHL, Mike, you started in Guelph with the Platers. And then at, when they moved to Owen Sound for the first year, not only are you moving up to Owen Sound, but you have your younger brother joining the team as well. How tough was that? 
Well, actually, I was pretty excited. Um, I, well, let me take a step back. Uh, I, was, I wasn't excited about leaving Guelph to go to Owen Sound because, you know, um, uh, I had a girlfriend who is now my wife there. And, you know, it's just something new. And, and, um, but Owen Sound, the fans were fantastic. My billet lady, Hilda Aberdeen, was amazing. And Ray McKelvey was fantastic up there. Um, but when my brother was drafted up there, I was pretty pumped, but I, I was like, oh God, I'm not sure if it's the best thing for him because he knew pretty much the whole team already. And, um, you know, I, I really believe in that you need to pay your dues a little bit and, and, and stuff. And, you know, to sum it up, I wasn't the best brother that my last year and his first year. And, and, um, Steve knows that. I don't know if I've ever apologized, but, uh, our teammates sure do, but, um, (laughs) Looking back, uh, I'm actually glad we got to play against, play with each other for a year, and later on we played against each other. But uh, um, I don't know if I was the best uh, brother for him uh, when we played together up in Owen Sound. I know I was not. So, Even? Steve, what's it like from your perspective? Yeah, the other side of that same story. Well, you know what? I remember going to Toronto into uh, the arena to get to the OHL draft. And I'm sitting in the stands with my dad, my mom, and my sister, and my whole family. And all of a sudden, Rob Holiday, the owner of the team, the general manager, goes up to the podium and he goes, From Almira, Ontario, we take six foot, 175 pounds, Steve Parson. And I went, Damn, it's going to be a long year, long year. I mean, I don't get along with my brother prior to this because brothers don't sometimes. And you know, and I was playing on Elmira, the Shuri Kings, and he was in Guelph playing for the Platers, and, and he just got drafted to the Boston Bruins in the second round. So I'm thinking, you know, and in the summertime, we, I think we had a good couple scraps in, the, in our house in Elmira. Was that the summer we, we yeah. had that big fight? Yeah, you, you choked me out a couple of times, made me tap <laughs> out, but that's fine. Anyway, long story short, I go, it's going to be a long year. And then I'm in Guelph, and Ron Smith was the coach at the time. But they had a really good team, good group of guys. And then all of a sudden, Rob Holiday moved the team to Owen Sound. And I went, ah, because I could have lived at home. I could have called on my mom or dad if my brother was beating me up on picking me on picking me up or whatever, picking on me. Anyway, we get to Owen Sound and I got no car. I'm living with Trent Call. He's the first round pick. I'm the second round pick. Kirk Bompey, he was a terrible hockey player, as everybody knows. He was a fourth round pick. <laughs> and we're all rookies. And we get abused pretty good. It's not like what they're talking about in the, in the newspapers and, you know, all that stuff. But, I mean, it's, we get picked on. But it was fun. Long, long story short, we had a great year as far as fun. We came close to – we lost against uh, Keith Primo and Brad May in the quarterfinals. And then they went on to play the Rangers, Kitchen Rangers. But we had a great, great team. We just uh, – we lost, we lost Jeff Christian and um, – Didn't have a coach. <laughs> yeah we got no coach by george burnett but anyway long story short it was a great year and it was a pleasure to play with mike and uh our bond uh we didn't like each other that much that year but we we built a bond that was good and, and so we were happy and then he moved on to boston the next season and i stayed in Owen sound and had a terrible season but keep going that was uh the coach that you mentioned was that len mcnamara yes he is a nice guy but he it was, i think he was just a little bit over his head that first year as a head coach. So I'll tell you, um, again, uh, Todd Hunter was my goalie partner. I'll just tell you this little story. And um, one game, 
uh, I think I let in three goals in the first five minutes of the game and Len went to pull me and, and Todd skates to the, to the, uh, to the crease. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, Oh, you're supposed to go out. And I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> I said, to the bench. And then he went to the bench and I guess Len sent him to me again. I go, no, I'm not leaving. Like, <laughs> and again, um, uh, I can't remember how many times it took place, but I had, a, you know, I hated being pulled because um, uh, I had a philosophy and I, and I had this philosophy when um, I was coaching goalies in Guelph for the storm. But if you piss your bed, you got to sleep in it. Do you know what I mean? Don't give the goalie, like if you want to pull the goalie for a shift, go ahead, but throw him back in. He's got to freaking clean up that mess and be a wall now to give his team a, a chance. But I just remember that story. <laughs> and um Todd was a rookie that year and I, Todd's a great guy. And I felt like, I remember looking back now, looking back going, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that to that kid, the young kid. <laughs> no, go. And he's coming I'm pointing back at the bench and he's like, what am I supposed to do? And, and uh, Jeff Valentine was on our team. He was one of our overages. He's like, Parsh, what are you doing? Go, I'm not getting out of this net. So he, I remember he went over to Hunter and uh, something happened. And so he went back on the bench and um, I do remember we ended up winning I think it was six to four. I think that was that game. It's funny how you remember some things, but I was like, like, you know, you're talking to yourself because that's what goalies do, as you know that, Christopher. Yep. And I was like, you're embarrassing yourself and all this stuff. Freaking what the heck is going on? Freaking puck doesn't move that fast. And it's, yeah. yeah, but I, it was a good story. Right there. Steve, when you two are growing up, did you see this same determination in your older brother? And based on that, how much fun was it for you to be able to score against him? Because obviously only one of you is the goalie here. Yeah, I remember like when we lived in Elmira, I mean, we didn't have computers, cell phones, all that stuff in your bedroom like kids do today in TV. So we, when we weren't in school, we were outside playing road hockey or soccer 100% of the time. And Mike, nobody wanted to play net, so Mike played net. We played road hockey. We'd have, we always had great ho- road hockey games, and that's what we did as kids. And then when Mike played minor hockey in Woolwich and I followed up and watching him play out there and watching my sister and my mom and my dad, the passion they had to cheer him on. And, and I got that excitement. So my parents put me on skates right away. And when you're in the Woolwich minor hockey system, playing in Woolwich or Elmira and St. Jacobs and being on the ice and making friends and parents are making friends. I mean, that was, I'm, that was, we have so many friends, that are with us today and have passed away, but we have so many friendships from minor hockey and soccer that are going to last forever. And I think uh, if, if I had children, they would be playing soccer and hockey and, you know, or baseball or whatever the case may be, because that's where you build friendships outside of school. And that brings you into, you know, competitive hockey and junior B and, you know, I made some great friends there, obviously uh, Rob Waters, Cam Stewart, Jamie Israel, uh, Doug, you're our, I mean, I, Steve Schaefer. I mean, we don't see each other a lot, but those memories and those friendships last forever. So that's where it all starts. And I think it's great for kids to do that. We talked about that year that uh, you went up to Owen Sound. I'm told there was a incident at prom leading up to it. Yes. Well, I was playing for the Sugar Kings and it was the off season and Keith Whitmore who was, who was my closest friend on the yeah, team. Yeah, you know. Was, and, he, and Keith Whitmore lives in Sudbury, but he couldn't make it down for his, uh, to be with his girlfriend for the prom in Guelph. 
Well, so Mike said, well, we're kind of stuck. She didn't, his girlfriend didn't want to go alone and Keith, and Keith knew me just from being a fan. So Keith said, will you take my girlfriend to the prom? And it was, I said, sure. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, I go to Guelph with my brother and, and we, you know, we're just having a couple beers and, you know, just prior to the prom, well, I, I couldn't, I didn't really have any beers when I was that age. So I just, anyway, I didn't end up making it to the prom. <laughs> so she ended up going by herself, which my buddy Keith asked me to take her and long story short. So then I'd get drafted to the team, to the, to the players. And then all of a sudden it starts that, you know, these stories come out and it was just a fun way to break the ice when I got drafted by the Guelph Platers and then um, Keith picked on me all season long. Then Keith and I ended up playing, or Keith and I ended up living together in Owen Sound. So I never went away and, and we're still good friends today. And he lives in Flint, Michigan. And uh, anyway, lots of, good, lots of good fun and good, good stories. So Steve, you have to tell them though, you came to the Plater uh, pre-prom party. So all the players were there. Yes. And, and that was the thing is, and, and uh, Steve drank more than I did that night. I think uh, I had two. Yeah, and so I probably had none. Um, That's right. So it was funny because he's fitting in, like, again, um, you know, if you ever want to, uh, um, uh, I wasn't much of a drinker. I was more the one that kind of took care of everybody. So, um, but Steve was uh, having a few and he was just like 15 or whatever, 16, whatever age you were at the time. And, um, but he was partying with all the guys. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting back going, my brother's having more fun. He fits in better with the team <laughs> at the parties than I do because I never did. And I was hoping, you know what, I'll see these guys once a year. I'll probably play in the Laden division and probably be out, you know, yeah. in Cornwall or something like that. You know, big deal, right? I end up getting <laughs> drafted by them. I'm with them all the time. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So they and that's thought, for a worst case scenario. They thought Steve was a party animal from day one and, he pretty much was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've ever seen Slapshot. No, I'm just kidding. But um... yeah. I do, I do, I do have to tell you this though. When Steve and I was growing, Steve and I were growing up, we lived in townhouses, a townhouse in uh, on Flamingo, and uh, Robbie Grind was down the road uh, or down the hall. But we had, we would have the whole neighborhood would get together, and there'd be like 20 guys playing road hockey. And um, so Steve always had the most skill of any of the guys. Like he'd put them through the, the ball, through people's feet, um, jump around them and everything like that. Um, and that's how he also was in soccer too. When we had our soccer games, this guy, I freaking hated him. Excuse my language. I don't mean to be that hard, but I, I, I just had determination. But Steve had all the skills in soccer and in hockey. And Steve used to like freaking – do these fancy moves and turn me inside out. And then in soccer, he would do the same. So when we started, when we played together up in Owen Sound, um, I made sure I, and I always did this anyways with whoever it was, but I always knew where Steve was on the ice in case he was going to get a shot away or might get a pass. Cause I never wanted him to score. Uh, Cause I had to get him back for all the younger days when he turned me inside out all the time. So it was just a, a lot of fun. Uh, living in Birdman, you know, in Elmira playing road hockey. And then we had an, we remember our uncle Dave, um, who, um, got us, got me my first pads, but we had a parking lot where you, uh, the cars would be parked beside each other and our car would be missing. So we'd put the net there and Steve would take shots on me and the ball would bang off of cars, our neighbors and Bill, um, Billy Rhodes. Um, I went to, uh, his daughter Leanne was my age. I mean, his car took a beating, but 
never complained. Like nowadays, if somebody hit a hard tennis ball or an orange ball off my car in the middle of winter, I wouldn't be very happy. But this guy was a phenomenal name. Remember that, Steve? Yes, I do. And I remember, but, but, you know, those are, you know, those were a lot of fun. And then obviously Mike uh, went on after Owen Sound, uh, he went on to the Boston organization and I stayed in Owen Sound. And Mike has some good stories about that organization. Mike, I'm sure. I, I want to get to that, but before yeah. we do, because yeah, it's been mentioned a couple of times in Boston Bruins around that era. There are some names over there, Mike, but real quick, Steve, where did you, who were you admiring as a hockey player as you developed these skills? There had to be somebody you're watching, maybe his kid named Gretzky. I don't know. But. Yeah, obviously, I think Daryl Sittler, Toronto Maple Leaf, St. Jacob's boy, you know, um, he was, oh, you know, he was kind of my idol. But obviously, Wayne Gretzky was another big idol of mine because he was a little younger. Um, and then, you know, I looked up to obviously anybody older than me that came out of Amira Ho hockey, like Rick Sealing or um, uh, Randy Pierce was playing at that time, Cam Stewart. I mean, these guys were all older than me that were playing in Amira. And, you know, I always, you know, um, so I was looked up to those guys. And then when I got out of junior B to the junior A level, then it became another, another level of skill and passion and big guys and, you know, playing against guys like Keith Primo and Owen Nolan, every, night in, night out at 15, 16 years old. Yeah, my eyes wide and opened up and go, holy cow. Like, you know, I played against, you know, uh, with Kitchener had a great team. They had Shane Stevenson, uh, Stephen Rice, a bunch of great hockey players. And you realize how not good you are at that level when you jump up that, you know, that quickly. Like when you guys are three years, four years older than you, but you, uh, you got to grow up quick and you got to, you got to work hard. And, and I, you realize that real quick, but obviously Daryl Sittler from the St. Jacobs area was my biggest idol. Mike, you, uh, I'm told you didn't always used to sign your name, Michael Parson. Did you used to switch up that last name? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> my dad was a, or sorry, our dad was a Montreal Canadiens fan. So I became a non Montreal Canadiens fan just to, just to get him going. So, Toronto was my team and Mike Palmatier was my idol. I mean, uh, you know, we used to play on Sundays. So on Saturday night, if he went out to the blue line to poke check someone, I made sure I did that on Sundays just for the, just so I did it. Cause he did it. And, you know, he used to say that he ate popcorn between periods. Well, then I started eating popcorn, like just not between periods, but uh, we don't have that in minor hockey, but Mike Palmatier was my idol. And I had the pleasure of meeting him when I was the goalie coach of the Guelph storm and I didn't realize how short of a guy he was, but I'm telling you, I told him I, I loved watching you. And the other thing was, is, um, the other guy I loved was Johnny Bauer. I went to his hockey school twice and, uh, that's a class act gentleman right there too. I mean, I even ran into him up, up in Kawartha at the Buckhorn, uh, country store there where they did have some great baking. Just let you know, if you want to put on some weight. Weird oh, that you know how their baking is, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, he was signing his book and uh, I sat down with him for like 25 minutes and just talked to him. And he remembered everything about me when I went to his school and his, his daughter, Cindy Bauer, the power skating. It was, it was a great, yeah, some great stories. It's funny now that you're older, you look back and appreciate the things you did a lot more or you did a lot more now than you did during that time. 
it's mm-hmm. interesting, Mike, because with a father who's a Habs fan, you cheer for the Leafs, and then to go back to being drafted by Boston, it's perfect for you in that well, regard. Uh, it was just a pot. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, my God. A I second was... rounder, though, and that's a storied organization. Yeah, no. I mean, um, I owe a lot to uh, Rob Holiday and Alex Campanero and Dave Lord and uh, and Donnie Mulpey. They're the ones that um, saw something in me in, in, in Elmira. And, um, you know, I have to admit, like, uh, um, I, I always wanted to be a soccer player over playing for it, uh, Inter Milan over in Italy. And hockey was just kind of, I played for fun. But then all of a sudden, um, Miller Hicks, a guy named Miller Hicks, he was a goalie. Um, um, and uh, he was my coach one year. And he said, you know, you really have something if you work at it. And, uh, and I did. I started focusing more and watching all the goalies. And I used to go to the rink and watch, like, Marty Quincy played for the, um, the Myers Sugar Kings, a guy named Rob Schantz, also a goalie that played for the Myers Sugar Kings, Howie Brown, Steve Lee, uh, Steve Utley, there was Stevie Lee, all these goalies. And then I started focusing a lot and that's how I became, you know, fairly, like fairly good. And then uh, when I got drafted to Guelph, I was so nervous. I, I didn't think I belonged there. And I remember um, Rob and Alex and those guys were just fantastic to me. And then my coach, Floyd Crawford, he played the crap out of me my first half of the year. I mean, I think I played 28 of the first 33 games. Um, and then uh, I never played again in the second half, except for one, the final game of the year. And he said to me, he goes, kid, I'm going to wear you out. We're going to get another goalie. And you're just going to watch and learn. And he actually spent a lot of time with me about watching the other goalies on the, on the ice. Like Sean Simpson was playing for Oshawa or Sault Ste. Marie at the time, um, you know, and uh, other goalies. And so that's what I did. I, I mean, oh, I'm trying to remember the great big guy that played for Kitchener. Um, six Bales. Yeah, Bales. Darren Bales. Yeah, Darren Bales. I used to watch him and, and just how he dominated the crease and didn't give it up. So that's where I picked up that from him. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. And then it all worked out. The next year I had Ron Smith who played the crap out of me. But um, yeah, and I, I, I do have to say this. I don't mean to jump all over the place, but um, my three years in, in the Platers organization, junior hockey is amazing. Uh, you become such good friends. And I'll just say, uh, Steve knows this because he was on it, but we, I think we had 15 guys during Easter weekend, 2020, all on WhatsApp that we played with up in Owen Sound. And I mean, the stories and the pictures and um, that we are sending back and forth. I, we were doing it until three in the morning. It was freaking hilarious. So junior hockey uh, was amazing time. Absolutely. We've talked about uh, your time in Owen Sound. And obviously for our listeners who are following along, Steve, the player, Mike, the goalie. One of you guys fought Ty Domi. Uh, actually, that's not called fighting. That's called getting beat up. <laughs> okay. You, and it was the goalie. Yeah. 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 Well, freaking Ron Hextall was my idol in junior then. I mean, what the, I loved it. And, and again, uh, I please, uh, people who may listen to this, at the time, it only hurt. Like, if you got beat up, it only hurt for a couple of days. Like, I mean, um, I was involved in the big brawl in Sudbury with, with LaForge. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and I got my nose broken and played two days later with no eyes open. And 
man, that puck moved past that that game in Sault Ste. Marie. But anyways, um, uh, yeah, Ty Domi, uh, I, that's a great story. I still remember that. That's awesome. I didn't know who he was. He's from the other division. He turns around and tells me, you hit me one more time in the nuts, kid, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, you're five foot what? And wow, man, that hurt. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, he um, – he, he could have beat me up a lot worse, but he just more or less ragdolled me. And and I have to admit, Brian Hayton came to my rescue, who was our captain, but he was no match for him. But uh, Brian and I became good friends after that. I made sure I never, I made sure I let him know anybody was going to hit him, you know, going for a puck ever again, because he, he saved my butt, because uh, tight on me was a tough guy, and as we all know. So it was a good story. Well, now, Steve, you talked about having to kind of make your mark in that way as a 15-year-old in Elmira, but it, it didn't really stop that side of your game. And if I'm not mistaken, there was at least one incident in your junior days, I believe it was in Kitchener, where there was a fight in the penalty box. And That's a true story. the local constabulary had to be called in to bring peace to the yep. hockey rink. I remember it like yesterday. Um, the puck was shot. Mike did not stop the puck behind the net like he was supposed to in our zone. And the puck went around the boards and it went to my corner. And I had to, it was stuck in the corner and I had to go get it. And I didn't want to go down there, but I went and got it. And then I knew this overage defenseman, which his name was Rick Elaine at that time. And he was about 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds. And he was a tough guy at that moment. And I was uh, 16 and I was about a buck 75 soaking wet. Anyway, he came in, he was coming to run me and I knew it. I just turned around and gave him one of those and knocked out his upper teeth. And he went down and I went, that's going to hurt later. And all of a sudden, Rob Sangster, Shane Stevenson, uh, you know, a, a couple other guys just all tried to get at me. And thank God there, the linesman grabbed me and threw me in the penalty box. And I said, I got kicked out, right? And that guy referee says, no, you only got four minutes. I said, you got to give me five. You got to give me five. <laughs> anyway, he gives me four minutes. And there was like 15 minutes left in the third period. So I'm disappointed. I'm telling the referee every name in the book, just give me five. End of my night. I'm going to go back to Owen Sound. Anyway, he didn't. Four minutes off. The penalty's over. Rick Elaine drops his gloves, comes in the penalty box after me. It's a matinee game. I mean, my mom is up eating popcorn, right? <laughs> And all of a sudden I go back and all of a sudden the police are in there and they're kind of trying to separate things. And, and I somehow got one hand loose and I threw it over and I hit him in the, in the mouth again. And I could just see the blood splatter over like this. Well, thank God I got kicked out. He got kicked out. But the problem was in three days, they, that was a Sunday. And then three days on Wednesday, Kitchener was coming for an, after, an evening game at seven o'clock against us in Owen Sound. And, he got his revenge. As soon as the puck dropped, he came over to me, crash checked me in the neck a couple of times. I turtled like I was good at. He got <laughs> kicked out. And I didn't see him for about another month or so. And, you know, then we were into the playoffs. So that was the story. And, and I remember Rob Sangster and uh, Shane Stevenson, those guys were in the penalty box. And they're going, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. And I'm like, oh, great. Where's the Sugar Kings? When I want to play there, I was thinking maybe I'll go back to the Sugar Kings or something. <laughs> so, so. Rick Elaine and I became roommates two years later. We were roommates in, in Maine Mariners in Boston's organization. And Rick would, Rick would still bring that up, especially after a game, if we had a few pops, 
he would still bring that up. And he's from Guelph here too. And Rick and I became friends. But what? It, yeah, Rick was pissed. <laughs> it was. It's good though. But now he's in Philadelphia, so you're safe, Steve. Yeah, he's exactly. Not, he's not able to cross the border. <laughs> How many line brawls were you guys in? Uh, in North in North Bay against the Centennials. We had a big brawl up there, Sean and Toski, and uh, they had a tough team, and we had a tough team, and we had a nice brawl up there. It's on the internet. Yeah, it's on the internet. We can, you can Google it. But anyway, that was, you know, that was my underage year. I was still 16, and you were Mike was 19, and, and we had a short bench that because we were in a Sault Ste. Marie, Sudbury, North Bay trip, and we always got beat up a lot in those three buildings. But it was on the last of the night of the Sunday, and we were in North Bay, and we ended up getting a brawl. That was great. Everybody's on the ice throwing them and everything. So we got back into Owen Sound about 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning and back to school. And I think I had a couple things over here in my cheek. And, you know, but that was, that's what it's all about. And it was so much fun. And when you look back at it. Your, yeah, junior, your junior career, Steve, uh, took you from Owen Sound with the Platers over to the other side with, Kingston and, yes. and we we had David Ling Linger on yep. a recent uh, episode of this podcast he had nothing but terrible things to say about you but that you know that's that's I we, expected that <laughs> we we talked to him though about being in Kingston where there's some degree of hockey royalty Don Cherry Doug oh. Gilmore yeah there there is some other royalty associated with the city as well there's a there's a big rock band out of there Canadian yep bunch of bumpkins playing some good music called the tragically hip yes. and Dan Aykroyd is, I, I don't know if he's right in Kingston, but from the area and yep. you, you had some encounters. With I those? did. I was, I was blessed. Uh, Greg Clancy and I got traded to Kingston for Justin Morrison and we end up in Kingston and Greg's from Kingston. So his sister's dating uh, the drummer for the tragically hip. All of a sudden, I don't know really who the tragically hip are. Cause I'm living in Owen sound and you know, it's it's they were small at that time. They weren't huge. I get to Kingston and we go to I get to go to three concerts backstage, uh, meet Gord and the whole band and through uh, our teammate's sister because he was she was dating him. But what an experience! I go I meet Dan Aykroyd. I Dan had a bar in Kingston, so we got to go there and and uh, through. You actually went to a bar. Part, yeah, Dan Aykroyd had a bar. A bar. No, I said you actually went to a bar. Well, it was a, <laughs> it was an autograph signing, so I had to, it was mandatory. So uh, yeah. anyway, I got to meet like Doug Gilmore, Kirk Muller, um, Don Cherry. I met Dick Cherry, uh, Don's brother was our coach. So I got to meet all these people that, and then I ended up playing with um, Brett Lindros, Chris Gratton. I got to meet Eric Lindros and his, like, I mean, I'm, the whole, you know, a lot of uh, big stars that became, and David Ling, you know, and a lot of guys that uh, Craig Reve And uh, anyway, we had a great, group of guys in Kingston and uh, Mike Allison was our assistant coach and Dave was their head coach. And um, Kingston was a lot of fun. And I, my best, I played five seasons and my last two seasons was obviously my best in regards to performance. And I got to end up at the end of my uh, fifth season. I, John Ferguson senior offered me a two year contract with the Ottawa senators. And he got to see me play a lot in Ottawa because he was the general manager of Ottawa at the time or president or whatever, but, um, so yeah, I have great things and my billets in Kingston were fantastic. I did a uh, work for uh, my, my billet was a funeral director. So I got to, 
help him out a little bit on the side to make some extra cash. And that was interesting as well. But we moved on. Let's move on. That's that's another day. No, no I don't think on. we're moving we, on. No, we need we need one story. How do you help a funeral well, director? Well, my my my, my, my billet my billet was a funeral director, but a hockey. He loved hockey, and that's why he billeted. And he said, Steve, you know what? If you know, I could use extra help, and you know, would you like to make extra some extra cash? And I said, sure. So about three or four in the morning, the door would knock, and he'd say. We got a live one. I said, okay. So we'd get in the car and we'd drive again on Aukway and we would get the Hearst and then drive back to Kingston and do our thing. And then we'd drive back to get on Aukway and get the uh, situation all looked after. And, and then we'd hit the drive through at McDonald's and lay back and I'd get into <laughs> bed for a couple hours before I go to school. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun and interesting. So anyway, let, we moved on from there. We got on to the... Uh, <laughs> That's so so you were embalming bodies is what we're saying yes i was learning a trade that i thought i might want to use in the future (laughs) how many times have you used it uh since you first embalmed none (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mike for you (laughs) for you uh the transition was from playing right into coaching was that in your mind as you wrapped up your playing career that you were going to get into coaching uh no i wasn't going to at all i i um i was a little bit different i i wasn't playing the video games like all my teammates were when we were playing pro and that i took up guitar lessons and and took correspondence courses so when i was done playing i was just going to school for economics and finance and then i was going to get into the real world um but while I was going to school at U of G, Marlon Mullard asked me to help coach the hockey team. And, um, you know, Chris Clancy, Tim Spitzig, Maddie Mullen, uh, Mark Gowan were, were on the team. And so that's how I got into coaching. And I, I coached with Paul Bridges and Marlon. And we ended up winning the CIU championship that year. We beat New Brunswick in Maple Leaf Gardens. And then a gentleman named Doug Flug, um, who was with the Guelph Storm, the fitness coach and that, he brought to my attention that they might be looking for a goalie coach. And so he introduced me to Mike Kelly. And then Mike Kelly introduced me to Alan Miller and they hired me. And that was in 1997-98. We went to the Memorial Cup that year. Uh, my goalie was Chris Madden, was, the, was our number one goalie. Um, and so I stayed with the Storm, I think, for 12 years, uh, which was just a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I really did. Mike was so good to me, actually, growing up playing uh, goalie. I actually got a set of Chris Madden pads. And Did I wore really? those. Yeah, oh, I wore yeah. those. TPS Louisville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wore those for quite some time. I actually lived with Mike in Guelph. So uh, for all those former goalies that Mike coached, I feel your pain. Yeah, yeah. You got to deal with it for a couple hours. I had to go home to it all yes. the time. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm pretty intense. I would have to say that. <laughs> And, a little. Why, what was that, Steve? I was going to say Christopher tried out for the uh, Guelph Storm. Obviously, potentially a Guelph, a, right? Guelph and they played for the Guelph Dominators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Dennis and Danny Taylor already had that goaltending situation wrapped up. I was just there as a guy to give yeah. them some some time off during shooting drills. I think, but correct, exactly, it, exactly and, worked well. And someone that for me to yell at rather than Danny and uh, and Adam. Yeah, they liked me being there because Mike was harder on me because I was related to him. So he could say whatever he wanted without any ramifications. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike, what was it? 
What was it like when you went down to training camp in Boston and you got the likes of Andy Moe, Gray Bork, Cam Neely? It was amazing. It really was. My first year, uh, again, I was still not a very mature individual when it came to understanding the pro, the pro, what it really meant. But I went to my first training camp and actually I have to tell you, my dad went down and Bob and Lulu Waters uh, came down as well. And that was a great uh, event, uh, seeing them in the stands and that. But um, uh, I'll be honest with you, Reggie Lemelin and Andy Moog were the two nicest guys. I, they were fantastic. They knew I was no threat. Um, they knew eventually, hopefully, it, it might have been changing of the guard eventually, but it never did happen. I didn't accomplish what I wanted to, but that's another chapter. But uh, it was a great experience. Um, Al Peterson, a great big six foot six defenseman, was fantastic to me. Again, in Bruce Shoebottom, Lou Crawford was great. It was awesome. But you just played. I played. I was in such awe that I just wanted to stop the puck, and and I actually did fairly well. I won goalie of the of the try of uh, the training camp there. Um, but it was kind of interesting. I remember. Um, um, we were bag- getting bag skated and, and Reggie comes up to me and goes, uh-uh, son, uh, you don't pass me ever again. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. So then you just skate beside them. And like, again, when I started getting into the pro hockey, it was kind of the changing of the, of the way you were, you, you started coming to training camp ready for training camp, not getting in shape at training camp. So, so that was just kind of neat. I learned that uh, the first two years is that, you don't show up for Andy or Reggie. Um, and, and they were great. I mean, uh, Andy, I went to his house for dinner once during training camp. Reggie and I were roommates. Uh, I really liked them. So, yeah, it was a, a great first year. Um, but I was too nice. I'll be honest with you. I was too nice. Looking back, that's one thing I'll tell someone. Have respect for them, but don't be too nice. Yeah. Steve, you talked about the last couple of years for you in the league where you started coming into your own offensively final season, 35 goals, 98 points. And at the time, as you wrapped up your major junior career, you held the record for most games played. Were you aware of that <laughs> distinction as it approached? Well, the linesman told me a couple of times during that fifth season, he goes, you've been in the league longer than me. And I said, <laughs> and I've been, I'm getting tired and sore. And I said, I'm riding this bus through Cornwall all the way down to Windsor and all the way up to Sault Ste. Marie and whatever. He goes, you got a, you got another year in you. I said, I might come back for another year yet. He goes, that's, that'll be six. See, that's, that's illegal. And I said, well, I'll see what I can do. But yeah, like I, I knew I was, I knew I had 317 regular season games and then, or something like that. And then I knew I had to play at least, you know, 10 exhibition games at each year, plus some playoffs in there. And I was ready to leave the Ontario Hockey League. I loved the league, but I was ready. I, I, I played the minimum and the maximum you could possibly play. And I knew I had a record, but it wasn't a good record. <laughs> Underager to an overager. Yes. And I remember some of the, you know, Burt Templeton's and Larry Maverty's and guys like that that were old and Brian Kilray's on the other side at that time, they were saying to me, geez, they were yelling at me from the bench going, it's time to retire or something. Even the, <laughs> even the other players are making fun of me going, Hey, old man. Hey, old man. Even David Ling, I watched the last episode. He even called me an old man. He was my line mate. <laughs> even Kelly Corpse, my centerman, he used to call me that the old man all the time. I'm like, I got to get out of this league. I got to get into the East coast hockey league or something like that. 
you know, or where I could hide and you know, I won't be the oldest one. Okay, real quick though, you just mentioned two names, Corpse and Ling. And when we go when we go to Kingston and we're in the arena, we we see those jerseys hanging up there in the rafters. It uh, makes I me don't... sick to my stomach. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, when are we going to have the Steve Parson banner hanging? I I I don't know. I I want to like I I want those two guys to vouch for me and say they I was the left winger for the two years that they got a lot of points, a lot of goals, and they both got drafted. And I'm like, how about some love on the left side? I got nothing. I asked Kirk Maltby and Andrew Burnett up in Owen Sound, give me some love. I get no love up there. <laughs> so anyway, that's the way people want to do it. That's fine. <laughs> Mike, you got your start in the OHL in that old <laughs> as he puts his hand on his head. This is this is like Christmas every year. This is this is all this is. Yeah. Mike, Mike giggling, me giggling, and Steve going on some rant. <laughs> uh, Mike, you got your start start in that old golf arena downtown. Where's the craziest place you've played in a visiting rink? Uh, craziest place? Well, I still think maybe my first game in Windsor when I got pop thrown at me or thrown dumped on me during the play like they stood above you and pop is just coming down and like like even a hot dog landed on my freaking in my crease (laughs) i like yeah so i'd say windsor with that old old barn they used to have in this and they could stand above you um but i think that my favorite rink to play in was kitchener i'll be honest with you it's one of the best away ranks i've ever played in a junior um, because the fans, they, like, they love Kitchener and, and, uh, and we always had such rivalries and I had such, I had a lot of family there and friends that would come and watch me. So I like that. Um, and Sudbury, because I always said to myself before every game, there's no way that wolf is going across the ice. <laughs> and, uh, and again, um, you know, we, I've got a lot of history up in Sudbury. Um, when we played them, our final year, my final year up in Owen Sound. They think they scored twice in overtime to put us out, um, and uh, and then you know they did, then P- then Jeff Perry scores on a fake dump in a fake wraparound, and was on yeah he faked a, a wraparound and David Gavardi uh, left the crease and he shot it in the net, and uh, and then Coleman had to get escorted by the police out which was a referee so, but to this day I say both goals didn't count so, <laughs> you know Steve. You got me thinking when you mentioned being in the league for as long as you were riding those buses when you're with Kingston, all the way to Windsor, up to Cornwall, up to Sault Ste. Marie. What are some of your memories of maybe the the worst weather you were in, the scariest rides? Well, I remember playing. uh, Mike wasn't playing for Owen Sound this season. He left. It was the next season. We (laughs) we We missed the playoffs. We had a terrible hockey team. And we lost to Kitchener in Kitchener, a matinee game, 10-2. And our coach at that time said, I don't want to hear a peep on the bus all the way to Owen Sound. And when we get to Owen Sound, you're going to keep your, you're going to put your gear back on and we're going to go practice. So all the way to Owen Sound from Kitchener, we lost 10-2. We're going to miss the playoffs. Nobody likes anything that's going on. It's bad. And all of a sudden, one of the teammates was clicking the, the bus seats that were going click, 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 click. <laughs> and it, all of a sudden, you could hear people just like laugh, but hold their, their breath. 
And all of a sudden, the coach stood up, told Eddie, the bus driver, to pull it over. Eddie pulled it over. And everybody's laughing, but under their breath. And he says, stand up, whoever did it. Stand up. Well, nobody would stand up. And then the coach kept walking further to the back of the bus. And he goes, who is? Who is it? Finally, one person stood up and said, it was me. He says, get your stuff and get off the bus. Anybody else? Anybody else? One other guy stood up. It was me. Get out your stuff and get off the bus. Well, it's a snowstorm. Anybody else? Well, I didn't have the guts to say it was me, but it was me. I stood on the bus. I looked outside. It was freezing out there. So Eddie, he goes, Eddie, start the bus and let's go. Well, the two players at that time walked up to the OPP station and they got a ride escorted from the OPP, but we got into the rink and we're all skating end to end, like doing drills, no pucks. And these guys come in late. They're laughing at us because they were delayed at least an hour and a half ish. So who I should have got off the bus because I didn't (laughs) want to bag skate. Anyway, that was the funniest time in my five seasons of being on the bus. Mike, you might have taken. What about the one? Okay, so uh, we mentioned we got into a brawl against North Bay, and um, and our coach before said, "There's no fighting this game." Okay, <laughs> there's no fighting going to happen. And one of their tough guys went after our one of our finesse guys, uh, Graden Reed. So our our Ray Edwards, who's coaching in Calgary, there jumps off the bench, and we do a bench clearing brawl. So after our coach makes the bus driver. Uh, turn the heat off for the whole ride from North Bay to Owen Sound. It's a snowstorm. Plus, we didn't get our food. Like, <laughs> like no offense, but I mean, I'm a buck 60. So he's probably heavier than me when I was playing. Oh, man, I need my food, you know? <laughs> I was freaking starved. <laughs> so that, that, and we had a veteran team. If you remember, that was the year Oshawa beat Kitchener. And we, we had a really good team too. I really do believe if we had a coach, we would have bit went further but but that was i still remember that because he's like you guys aren't getting your subs <laughs> and uh, uh meanwhile i think i could have handled our coach and forced him to give us our subs <laughs> but, but you just didn't do that back then but it was that was that was probably the stupid like one of the worst things i've ever seen but then steve told me about the next year because i played with those guys like i keep that went off the bus so that was a great story <laughs> who were the two guys that took the blame uh, I can't mention the names. It's uh, I writ I signed a document that says you can't <laughs> disclose it. It's kind of like a lawsuit, you know. But uh, what is Strozzi? <laughs> I don't know who they were. I uh, I forgot about those times. <laughs> if you oh, forgot about give those, the, give the nickname of the other guy. Uh, rubber legs, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> His name was mentioned earlier in the conversation, right? Right. Finesse guy. <laughs> he didn't make it. He didn't play one game in the National Hockey League. Let me leave it there. <laughs> but a fantastic guy. One of the fastest skaters I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Yeah. So if you thought uh, if you thought Elmira uh, was a bit of an outpost, maybe you didn't growing up there because you got that hometown pride. But then you're going to Owen Sound in the Ontario Hockey League. Definitely. Well, still to this day, the smallest market in the league. Uh, great community. Love the arena, etc. But I bring that up to talk about one of your future outposts, Steve, and that is Thunder Bay. I've got a great fondness for the Lakehead, worked up there for a year, felt like six, but yes. what do you remember of the time or what was it like? I mean, what's your closest road trip? Oh, 
we 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 would always uh, fly from 99% of the time we'd fly from Thunder Bay to Toronto and then get in the bus get to uh, get into a bus in Toronto and then we would make our week long trip we'd go hit Saginaw we would hit Flint we would hit Muskegon we would hit uh you know Detroit uh so that's what we did normally but when we didn't win a couple games and the ownership or the coach would say we're not flying this trip. We're going to take the long way. So we would get on the bus. And ever seen Slapshot? And the guys are playing cards at the back. And the team bus comes up beside, and there's another group of over there. And that's what it was like in that bus. A lot of fun. Was this about the same time, Mike, you were living on a beach playing somewhere in the States? or No, Steve and I, my last year, I was in Muskegon. And you have to ask Steve about this because – we got in a, a line brawl and Steve's sitting on the bench while I'm fighting his team's goalie. And he, so he's watching his brother fight. Um, I, I'm sitting beside uh, Jason Firth and rival Fulham, two former Kitchener Rangers that we did not like each other before I got there, but we're sitting on the bench together. And my brother skates from the goalie crease to the box. into the, our penalty box after our, our tough guy that uh, Mel Engelstead and he made it to the national hockey league with Washington and Dallas. And Mike started giving him a blocker and all of a sudden rival Fulham and, and uh, Jason Firth look at me and go, your brother is a dead man. <laughs> I said, listen, this isn't the kitchen arranger days. Okay. Just calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then my coach, Tom Warden comes down at me and goes, your brother is a dead man when he comes <laughs> to Thunder Bay. And I'm like, why don't I just go put the other jersey on? Because I don't feel any love over here. Anyway. But what, was was going through, what was going through your mind, Mike? Well, their tough guy had a hold of our tough guy, and, and then their second tough guy was beating up our tough guy. You know what I mean? And so no one was helping him. So that was just me. I, I just react. And let's just say it was another Ty Domi experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God, did it hurt. He ripped the crap out of the back of my neck with my jersey and, like, beat the living crap out of my back. Like, he was giving me side punches and kidney shots. It was uh, – because he couldn't get my helmet off. Because at that point, you have the molded mask, and uh, where the other one was the SK-2000. It freaking – you could tear the mask off. But, yeah. Let's just say it's another one – another fight I lost, but it was fun. But my coach – my coach, Bill Stewart, freaking – Oh, did he hate me for that? Because I got suspended for five games or something like that. And we were the strongest team on our side, and they were the strongest team on their side. And oh god, long story. Okay, hang on. I want to. I want to take just this goalie fighting thing a, a half a step further. And remember, I'm the outsider in this group. Okay, I've never been in a goalie fight or a hockey fight, but. You're just talking about going to the penalty box to blocker a guy from the outside looking in, Mike. I've always thought about like. I'm sorry. Players drop their gloves. Our goal, like, what's the code say about a goalie blockering somebody? Uh, well, you only get one shot. That's it. Because you're blocking. <laughs> yeah. With Dallas and Washington. But anyway, you, you gave him a good blocker in the chops but he could take it yes he could but most people could not take it so no. 
Um, yeah. So, and then your left hand goes off and then you just hold on and goalies have such great balance that that's the key in, uh, in a fight is grab them at the, uh, biceps and, and balance. And so you don't really get beat up, but unless they're those two guys and then, yeah, you get beat up. <laughs> I think it's so funny because anybody that knows Mike off the ice, he's completely different. Yes. He's you know, super quiet, relaxed, and then you get him talking about his playing days and he's walkering guys in the face in a penalty box. Um, if, if, if anybody wants the real laugh, and again, I know hockey has totally changed, but it's no different than the movie Slapshot, but look up North Bay Centennials and Owen Sound Platers. Um, and there's a, a clip of our, our bench clearing brawl and no one got hurt. Like no one, um, you know, people got beat up a little bit and, and stuff, but um, it's kind of funny. Like back then um, it, it was the way hockey is. Hockey now is like skill and everything, but it's a good video. It really is. I brought up you on a beach. Cause I remember as a kid going down, I don't know where it was, whether it was Maine or somewhere, but you, we were going to a beach, came to visit you and uh, oh, yeah. your wife yeah. at the time. It was right after Madison was born, I believe. Older. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what was Steve, you can answer this after because you were down in South Carolina. But what was it like playing hockey at night and going to the beach during the day? Mike, you can answer that. Well, actually, Old Orchard Beach is kind of like um, uh, South Bend. Is it South Bend? No, South over there on Lake Huron. Is it called South Bend? No. I've Grand no Bend? Grand Bend. Sorry, my apologies. I've never been there. Okay, Grand Bend. It was deserted in the wintertime, but just the, the place just hopping in the summer. So um during the hockey season um you know we just lived there it was beautiful it was right on the ocean but when we stayed the one summer and played roller hockey with barry trotz and the portland pirates it was amazing like just packed sardines it was awesome steve what was south carolina like well you had an interesting owner i believe yes jerry zucker he owned the hudson bay company in canada and and uh anyway long story short it in charleston there's a place called Kiowa Island, and they hosted the World Championship golf tournament one, one, one season. And so I got tickets. Another guy and I got tickets, and we said, well, let's go out there and watch a couple uh, after practice, after pregame. Let's just go out there and have lunch and watch a couple holes just to kind of kill the day. Well, we ended up watching a, a few more, and I'm like, I, I – I don't feel like going to the rink tonight, but anyway, we had to go to the rink, <laughs> but anyway, but it was just a beautiful day. There's guys playing golf. Like, you know, the big shots were out there, Tiger and you know, all these guys. And it was awesome. Like just beautiful ocean view golf course. And you're watching these pros play and having a bit of lunch. And then you come back and you know, you, you're just excited to get on the ice and you're going to the rink and everybody's got shorts and flip flops on t-shirts and they're drinking some cold beer in, in the stands and there's, you know, 10 to 15,000 people in the stands and you're excited to perform for them. And I, and we are at that time, we were affiliated with the Buffalo Sabres and we had guys going up to Rochester and Rochester guys going up to Buffalo on a, like lots of movement in throughout the three different teams. And you knew that you just needed a one shot, like one call up, maybe a good game could do it or like, and Rick five was our head coach. So Rick was, he was in good communication all the way to the top of Buffalo. Um, and uh, it was a very exciting time. And, and, and I enjoyed it a lot. Like I, days off we'd practice and then we'd go play golf every, and Rick would play with us. So we had, we were coaching or playing, playing golf with the coach after practice and having, so, you know, having a lot of fun. 
So what what's wrong with your golf game then? Why does your big brother always beat you? Uh, Rick said I had too much loft in my game. Lack okay. of blank talent. That's what he told me. <laughs> okay. You, Mike. If, if, if you get an opportunity, play golf with Steve, okay? Just bring the pens because you're going to pee your pants. I mean, <laughs> he is freaking hilarious. Like, <sighs> he might hit left one, turn, I can, one hole, then hits right the next hole. I can hole. drive the cart good. That's what I can do. Mike, I wanted to come back to a name you mentioned uh, quite a bit back when you talked about transitioning into coaching in Guelph, and that was Mike Kelly, who was the architect of that uh, championship team in the late 90s and then came back and helped the Storm back to another Memorial Cup. And the word intense has come up a couple of times. I, I remember watching Mike in the press box as a general manager, and he was pretty intense. Uh, what was What did he mean to the storm organization well like i mean he's always going to be a pillar for sure i mean he's the one that started them uh, or brought them back i should say and then the one that uh you know um he he returned again and again so really nice man and i mean i, I bet you one day he'll be if he's not already and i apologize for not knowing but probably the, the guelph hall of fame I mean, but, but he is a class act. Like he, he really cares about the players and about each member of the organization from the business side to the on ice side. He is just a really nice gentleman. Um, and like, I mean, I, oh, my time there, I, I, I had some great GMs. Like, I mean, Alan Miller was phenomenal um, uh, and still a friend today. Jason Brooks was, uh, was just, wow seeing how he matured over the years and just a fantastic guy and he's done so well in Listowel as well and then I even had uh, Dave Barr as well who was a very intense um, attention to detail gentleman absolutely so but Mike Kelly uh, I'll always have a soft spot for him but it was Alan Miller who actually hired me um, but Mike recommended him or sorry Mike recommended Alan to hire me so so what is what is George Burnett really like? Hey, George. Um, again, George and I are friends. Uh, I just know that, um, you know, his bark is worse than his bite. It really is. Uh, uh, very intense. Hates losing. Um, and again, uh, we have some great stories because uh, uh, he was the coach of Niagara Falls um, that year that they put us out my last year. And then my first year um, as the goalie coach of the storm, he was the head coach and Rick Elaine was the assistant coach. So back to Rick Elaine again. Um, <laughs> Steve never came to one of those games ever. Uh, <laughs> I always asked for free tickets and somehow you said Rick didn't have any left. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so George and I like uh, George is a very intense guy, but uh, a great friend. And I um, he's good at what he does. I, and I think he's really adjusted for the, like from coaching back in 1989 to now coaching today, he has been able to adjust. He, um, and realized you have to deal with people differently than you did back then. Back then it was intimidation. Um, and now it's, you have to get to know every one of your players. Um, and you have to treat them all differently. So very nice guy. He really is. And if you ever come up next time you're interviewing him, just realize his bark is worse than his bite. Okay. He's never been uh, anything but kind to myself anyway, about giving in okay. interview times. As, yeah, as long as there was one time I showed up late to the rink and I was trying to search for one player 
because uh, you have time constraints before the game. You have to, it's an hour and a half, Farzi, I think you have until before puck drop, you can interview a player. And I think I was like, it might've been 87 minutes before puck drop. And he yeah. came over to me and he looked at me and he goes, what time is it? And I'm like, Oh, and he yeah. goes, why are you here so late? And I said, I'm really sorry. You know, I had something come up with work, whatever. And he goes, this is your one freebie and just walked away. I was like, Goo. Uh, that's where you just let it go in one year and out the other. Yeah. He's, I've just been on time. That's yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> but Before- no, I, I like George a lot. I'm happy that, that he's had success here. And what, like what a team they had that year. Like, can you, I mean, to me that, that is uh that was, a, that was great to see them coming back on every team. Oh my goodness. That was crazy. Real, real quick, Steve, you, we talk about coaches and guys who may be a little serious, uh, a guy who's often up in the Kitchener media room. He's a bit of a hockey legend around Waterloo. Uh, during your time with Canada's, was it Canada or Ontario's under Jerry Harrigan, Jerry Harrigan, <laughs> Jerry coached me. He, when I played for the Sugar Kings, he was the coach of the Siskins and he yelled at me a lot, but then, but what happened was, I tried out for Team Ontario. Jerry was hard, hard nose, and I don't know about other hockey players, but I like that because I find if you know he's hard nose and he demands like hard work, and he got the best out of me. Jerry and I bonded really well in Team Ontario under seventeen. And then he got uh, into the OHL with the Hamilton Dukes and also the Owen Sound Attack or Platers. And then I got traded to Kingston. So he never got to coach me, but we always kept in touch. And I have 100% respect for Jerry Harrigan. Before we let you guys go, Steve, uh, Mike mentioned a few moments ago that he always gets the better of you on the golf course because you're a better comedian than golfer. But, and, and that first year in Owen Sound, Mike even admits maybe not the best big brother to the rookie coming into the Ontario hockey league. What's the level of sibling rivalry like to this day on the golf course, anywhere, anywhere uh, <laughs> we're, we, you know what? He's 50 years old now ish and I'm 47. So he's calmed down a lot. And, uh, but going back 10 years ago, he still had a lot of fire in his belly, but now that he's getting over 50, he's slowing down, which I don't mind. <laughs> out a soccer ball though and watch them both go pardon me i said bring out a soccer ball though and watch you both go oh absolutely i'll be i'll run down the field for about two seconds and i'll be out of air (laughs) (laughs) all right real quick we've covered the majority of stories i can remember your father my grandfather george talking about in the garage over a couple uh brown bottles but do you guys either of you have a story maybe about the other one that uh, you want to tell, or did we, do we hit them all and maybe some should be left for in a garage and not on a public forum? Mike can go first. Or about hmm. yourself. Steve, let's say, um, well, let's just say I would I'd like to ask him a question. Um, okay. So my first three years of junior, I never missed curfew once. I want to know how many times he missed curfew his first year of junior versus my last year of junior. And that'll just show you how, like he was more part of the guys than I was. I had a girlfriend back in Guelph. So I'd go back to Guelph almost every night to go see her. And she is my wife today, but Steve, like I always got paid. What happens on the road stays on the road. (laughs) 
I'm not sure if you got your paycheck once in your first year. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a great group of guys up and on sound. Um, and they, Steve fit in like, Steve, um, Jeff Grant fit in, and Kirk Malpe and Trent Call fit in like a, a glove. But it was neat hearing, I'm sitting in the dressing room trying to get ready for a game or practice, and they're talking about my brother, and I'm like, the kid is 16 years old? What the fuck? Oh, my God. I like You're supposed to be doing that at 19, 20, not at 16. Like, he was just out with them all the time and having fun, and meanwhile, I'm with my girlfriend. <laughs> so so that's my only story. Is, uh, Steve had a lot. I was far more serious. Steve was serious, but I didn't know how to, um, uh, what would you say, separate um, hockey and, and like I, I lived hockey 24 hours a day in junior. I didn't know when you left the rink, maybe you should, you know, hang out with the boys and all that stuff. But I, I tried to earn their trust and respect by my practice habits and my game results rather than going to their parties and stuff like that. So um, I, watched, I always yeah. watch Slapshot on the bus, on the, <laughs> on the bus, on the bus road trips. And I wanted to be like Paul Newman. <laughs> oh, God. So you I, watch Slapshot and you think of Paul Newman. I wasn't sure if we, if uh, Steve was going to tell a story about um, TD Bank. That's for in the garage. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to double check. Or the follow-up podcast with the Parson brothers. When I see Farwell, yeah, when I see Farwell down at uh, Block 3, then we'll talk about it. Deal. When you got traded from Owen Sound to Kingston, did that phone call go a lot like the phone call in Slapshot? Yes. When, when the goalie trade, wants <laughs> Trade me right frigging now. Hey, hey, Morris, you can't speak. So, Christopher, yeah. I'll tell you this, and I'm sure all of the guys that you interview that played junior by them, um, when the when COVID ends, we're having a uh, Plater uh, alumni party up at my cottage, and like it's unbelievable how many guys said that they would come. Like we've got Sean White, who's in Phoenix, Arizona, who who said he'd come up. Like it's just it's going to be awesome. Like that's um, that's what junior hockey is about: is the friendships you make. And even though like the first year we didn't make the playoffs. The second year we got put out after the first, like in the first round and third year we underachieved, but just being on the bus and all those experiences, I mean, the guys are, the guys are friends for life and that's what junior hockey is about. Um, you know, yes, it is about chasing your dream, but the, the friendships that I made with the platers and still have today is, is amazing. Absolutely. So, so Popey, it's on you to uh, score us an invite to this party. Yeah. And before it gets too out of control, we'll just roll a little tape and have podcasts forever. Exactly. Well, how about this? Even our GM is invited and will come. <laughs> like Rob, Rob, uh, you know, my hat goes off to Rob and Joe. Uh, fantastic owners. Like um, they were hard on us. Um, but we like I can go down to the plating electric plating company uh, there on Victoria and, and walk in and say hi to them and they treat you like gold and they're great guys. like Mr. Holiday Joe is much older still going um, and still remembers you and tells stories I still remember him smoking cigars behind the behind my uh, my net in my first two years <laughs> I thought that was the red light going on but it wasn't it was, the, the <laughs> it, was cigar. it was the red from the cigar yeah but uh, oh. yeah even, even Rob and I are good friends he's even better friends with Steve <laughs> 
and the guy traded him. <laughs> yeah. He, I remember getting traded. I cried all the way. I drove home from Owen Sound to Elmira. I cried. And I didn't obviously like him at that minute, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I got to meet Gord Downey. There you go. Real, real quick, one final question, because I'd get in trouble if I didn't ask. On Flamingo Drive, during those years growing up, we talked about that there might have been a couple altercations. Who was the toughest, not brother, who was the toughest sibling? Your mother. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yep, thank you. I'm still, I'm still uh, scared of her. Yes. She Oh, crap. You know what? Now, we better clarify again real quick that Chris's mother is the sister to these two guys because that almost comes across as a mother joke there for oh, a second. Who's the point. toughest? Of, ah, your mother. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> be clear about this. Darlene is, Darlene is born in 68, and she, Steve and I used to hide in the washroom. Remember that, Steve? <laughs> and, if like, she we was so a defenseman, she would have made the National Hockey League as the first female. <laughs> five foot, what is she? Five foot six? How, how tall is she? Yeah, five, I look at her. Five, I seven, see five, six, eight. two, six, three. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. She she could win a UFC. Is that what it is? Fight. Yeah. She tapped me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I was just last good, week, though. Good point. Yeah. yeah. No. Just had to is, get that in. She. Yeah. She, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. A ton of fun. A ton of fun. Yeah. Hey, it was a pleasure seeing you, Mike, and Chris, always a pleasure. Uh, Chris, I have a question for you. Yeah. When's the big question coming? Long time, buddy. Are you sure? Long time. Long you know, the good it. thing is we haven't stopped recording yet, so. Uh... Long time. <laughs> but I want to go to the stag party and the stag and dough, you know? Well, I hear you have a nice cottage. We can have it at. Perfect. Thanks. Oh, absolutely, buddy. You can come <laughs> up to the cottage. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll strip you down, tie you to a pole, throw honey on you, and let the black bears have their way. I thought we were done <laughs> with OHL stories. <laughs> <laughs> Only for this week. Only for this week. Guys, it's been a blast. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Stay safe and healthy, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.